just met. And uh, still we can't comprehend uh, the whole meaning. Our words cannot describe the love that you have for us. So God, we bring to you this offering this afternoon of song, of time, of attention. And God, we ask that you would be praised as we take a close look at at the last words of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, God, for the way that you love us. Thank you, God, for the fact that we can gather here today and worship your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Spencer, and Alyssa, appreciate it. You know, one of the things I love about this day is uh, are all the songs that we sing that are just so rich in theology and remind us of what is true. Um, I want to lead us into a few more of the things that Jesus said from the cross. Let me begin this way. I, one of my favorite books ever is called A Grace Disguised by Gerald Sitzer. I've given it to so many people over the years, and uh, he went through unimaginable, lo- unimaginable loss and pain, suffering. And one of the things he says in his book is this, those who suffer loss live suspended between a past for which they long and a future for which they hope. And I think in between the, the past and the future, we live with this question, why? Uh, Charles Swindoll, a Bible teacher, was on the radio one day. And he was teaching through the book of Job, which is a book of whys. And uh, he, ends the, he ended the, his message with simply asking the question, why, why, why? And then the radio host came on and said, tune in tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, don't we all live with the question why, but we certainly live with tune in tomorrow, tune in tomorrow. Um, may I suggest our answer to the question why is found in answering who? Uh, Jesus on the cross, that's who, is the ultimate answer for our deepest why questions. Who else took on the sting of death? Who else suffered the the crushing blow of abandonment from his Father in heaven? Who else took on the sins of the world? It's Jesus, and that is who. So I want to remember some of the things that he said, and on the screen... This is one of the things he said. Let me go back. There we go. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. What an odd thing to record. I'm sure Jesus said more things than what's recorded in Scripture, but to have this recorded in Scripture, why would that be? Well, one reason might be that this is one of the, by some counts, uh, more than uh, 20 uh, fulfillments of the Prophecies found in the Old Testament, I am thirsty or I thirst. But at another level, it has a much more profound meaning. I am thirsty. It's a picture of the humanity of Jesus, fully God, but fully human. I mean, certainly in Scripture, we know he's fully human. He slept, he ate, he cried. But to say, I am thirsty, that's on, that's on the level of I am in deep need. I am in pain. I am in pain. I, and that's what Jesus, I, I am like you. I, I experience pain also. How meaningless it would be for us to have a Savior on the cross who did not identify with our deepest needs. But how meaningful it is to have a Savior on the cross who is uh, thirsting for physical water 
but knowing that his death will lead to living water for all those who put their faith in him. Then also on the cross, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. I have no idea if I pronounced that correctly, but that's close enough. Which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He was speaking in Aramaic. That was the, back then they spoke in Aramaic, Greek, Latin. And uh, he was speaking in Aramaic there, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You can find that exact same prayer spoken by King David in Psalm 22, verse 1, as King David speaks for himself, feeling abandoned by God, and yet speaking for all of humanity who understand what the valley of darkness is really like. Um, the Roman crucifixion back then, the cross itself, maybe you've heard this, studied this, but it was the, uh, the fine-tuned art of killing somebody. It was an excruciating killing machine, the cross was. But at a much deeper, more profound level, Jesus was feeling something else, and that was separation from God, his Father, uh, a sense of uh, forsakenness, abandonment, uh, feeling uh, deserted. Why? Uh, because when he was in the garden, praying, praying sweats or, or drops of blood, uh, he was agonizing over the thought of taking on the cup of judgment, the cup of wrath, that's why he said, Father, let, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Because he would be taking on the sins of humanity, the penalty of sins, of our sins. Dying on the cross was one thing, the physical death, but taking on the sins of the world, that was a whole different thing. Paul writes in his uh, second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus took our sin onto himself, and God turned his back on Jesus. Uh, the, the, the wrath, the, the, the judgment that, that, that Jesus experienced was experienced so that we would not have to experience it. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, maybe you know the name, he once said that most of our unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Do you listen to yourself more or talk to yourself more? Let me give you a talking point for yourself, and it is this. When you start wondering why, why is all this happening to me? Or where is God? Or I feel abandoned or forsaken by God. And those are real human emotions. They come our way. One, things, one of the things we can remember is that Jesus experienced the abandonment and forsakenness of his Father so we would not have to. Now, it may feel like God has abandoned us. Maybe you know the story of Job. He felt like God had abandoned him, but he did not. And at the end of the story, we understand that God was at work all the time behind the scenes, just like in our lives. Um, when I think of the, the, uh, the one-word question, why, what comes to mind also in another statement that Jesus makes from the cross, is a, it's, it's a Greek word, it's one word, um, to match the word why, and it's the word tetelestai. Maybe you've seen it before. Uh, when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. In Greek, it's just one word, tetelestai. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, tetelestai. So what do we mean by that? Back in those days, uh, when somebody owed a debt 
and they paid it in full, their debt would be stamped with the word tetelestai. It is now paid in full. Um, since the time of, of Moses and all of the ceremonial laws, Passover and so on, um, up until this time when Jesus died on the cross, people would bring to the temple their animals once a year and even more than that, lambs and other kinds of animals that then would, be, would serve as a substitutionary sacrifice. Not just a sacrifice, but a substitutionary sacrifice. It would be in the place of that person. And that person, when they, when they sacrificed their animal, they were saying, this animal represents the sin in my own life. The priest would put his hand on the animal and that person would be forgiven of their sin one more time. And then next year, they would do the same thing over and over and over and the sin would be covered and they'd be forgiven until next year, do it again, again, and again. But now Jesus dying on the cross, it is once for all. It is finished. One of the first verses I ever learned from Scripture from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Christ died for our sins once for all that we might be brought to God. Isn't it beautiful? To tell us die, paid in full. One last thing to draw our attention to as we look at um, the last words of Jesus. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Um, those are beautiful words. Uh, let's remember um, who he said this to. He was, uh, on either side of him were two criminals. And when I say criminals, that sounds like too light of a word. Some scripture verses say, passages say thief. That's way too light. Criminal, these are people who had done terrible things to other people. Today you will be with me in paradise. And one of the criminals um, said, uh, basically made fun of Jesus and dismissed Jesus. But the other guy, he was just incredibly remorseful, incredibly sorrow for his sin. It makes me think of some people maybe who have spent their whole life going to church and are just weighed down by rituals and maybe have lost sight of what the gospel really is, why this is all good news. Sometimes, in other words, I'll hear somebody ask a question. It's a why question. Why would God love me, even think about me, after all the terrible things I have done in my life? And maybe that's you. Or why would God love or even think about, uh, um, why would God love or even think about my family members or that person I know after all the bad things they have done in life? Why would God even consider me or consider others? And then we look at the cross and we look who was next to Jesus, these criminals, these, these people who had done terribly bad things. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. I probably have told this story before, so forgive me, but I'm reminded of a time I, I, I was at a funeral home. I was called in to do a funeral service for a guy I had never met. And I met with the family and I thought, this is going to be a hard funeral because this guy apparently was a bad guy. And sure enough, they wanted me to have people come up and say something about him. The first person came up, and I'm sure I've told you this story before, but the first person came up and said, yeah, this guy, you know what, I forget his name now, I'll call him John. 
John knew how to party. He knew how to party. He drank, he drank with the best of them, you know. And, and then another person came up and told a story about John and, and said some things that, oh, really, this is what you say at a funeral service? And just, this guy was not a, he was not a good person in terms of the, how, he acted, how he lived out his life. And um, I thought, where do we go from here? This is, what do I say now? And a third person rolls up in a, in a wheelchair, black leather jacket, long stringy hair, and this person wheels around, and he says, my name is David, and I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm thinking to myself, really? Okay. Can't you judge a book by its cover? And uh, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And when John was in the hospital dying, I went to see him the day before he died. And we had a conversation. He said what he could. But I told him that Jesus loved him and wanted to forgive him of his sins. And John, with whatever breath he had, asked for forgiveness. And I was there to tell him the story of Jesus and the criminal on the cross. I am forgiven. And that's for any of us. And so today, with all of our why questions, we remember who? The one who knows our pain and problems. The one who was abandoned by his father. The one who offers forgiveness and reaches down to wherever we are, to whomever we are. The one who overcame death and will one day come again. That leads naturally into um, a time of communion. I don't have it on the screen, but I want to read it to you. When you came in, you received a, a cup. And then it is the juice and the bread. And in a moment, we'll take that. But I thought I'd read this to you separately because it just so naturally leads us into a time of remembering through communion. And this is what, this is what Jesus said. I'll, re, I'll give you the context. By this time, it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn, torn down in the middle. Then Jesus shouted, and hear his last words, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Inexplicably, for three hours, the sun, the sun stopped shining. The, the sky became black. And at some point, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Why, why is that significant? In the temple, there were three parts. There was the, the courtyard where people would come to worship. They would bring their offerings to worship God. And then there was what was called the, the holy place. This is where the, the priests would gather to do their job. And then there was what's called the most holy place in which 
sat the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God. And in between the most holy place and the holy place was this large, thick curtain that nobody could rip with their bare hands, nor would they try to. And once a year, the high priest could enter into the most holy place behind the curtain to atone for the sins of the people so they could be forgiven. When Jesus died, the curtain was torn in two, symbolizing complete, free, unhindered access to God. When Jesus died, his death, taking our unrighteousness onto himself and to giving to any true believer the righteousness of God, assuring that we have access to God through faith in Christ alone. So when we do communion together, we're remembering that the death of Christ, the death of Jesus, has provided access to God. We're remembering that. In just a moment, you're going to hold the bread. The bread represents the body of Christ broken for you. The cup represents his blood shed for you. We do this in remembrance of him. What I'm going to do is, in just a moment, step off the platform and... Spencer and Alyssa are going to continue playing. They're going to play a song. And, and um, you can take your, your bread and the cup whenever you want. Don't wait for me. Um, I would say as the song is playing, sing along. But also in your own hearts, I think always a good thing to do during communion is to whisper a word of confession to God. Not that we need to earn his forgiveness, but it's just simply agreeing that maybe my life has been out of alignment and I want to bring it into alignment with your will. It's a time to, to express gratitude to God for forgiveness through Christ alone. That's wonderful. It's a beautiful gift. And then thirdly, just a time to recommit, to say, Jesus, I, I want to follow you. I want to use this time to say, I, I want to follow you. Let's uh, take communion together whenever you're ready. to 